Welcome to the Carl Vibe Show. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter today, all three. And I'm really excited today because I have a good friend of mine that's going to be on the show with us. Uh, he is Brent from the Museum of Tarot. He has a really popular TikTok account. He's getting ready to start a YouTube channel. He's got an Instagram. And he is like the Akashic Records of everything esoteric that I have ever heard of. And we're going to be talking tonight about the, uh, the gateway method of out-of-body travel and astral projection. We might be talking a little bit about the history of that, some of the unknown history, and some interesting finds that Brent has come across when it comes to the gateway method and uh, some of his research. He has a lot of historical documents and information to tie the actual history of it together and bring a new perspective on the process of doing out-of-body travel and how that can enhance your meditative experiences. He's also one of the only people and places that you can find goggles that you can wear and buy right off of his website that actually help you see the etheric field, auras around people. And we're going to let him explain it all because it sounds crazy to talk about, but we're going to blow your minds today talking about out-of-body travel, astral projection, and a lot of really interesting mysteries. I'm also going to get a little bit personal today. We're probably going to be talking about some of our uh, experiences with the gateway method and that whole process. Uh, it has really changed my life and opened my eyes, uh, taught me a whole different perspective on reality, my purpose in life and what I'm meant to do. It's connected me uh, to Brent and everything that we've got going on in our conversations. We've talked a lot on the phone. And as I start to make progress through this program and expand my spiritual life, my understanding of myself in the world and reality and where I'm going. Whenever I have questions, he's the man that I turn to and he always has the answers, the history and the resources to back it up. And along with that, he's collected an entire library of interesting esoteric mysterious secrets and uh, uh, information that backs up everything that he's talking about. So we can dig into the history of the Stanford Research Institute and uh, a lot of where Bob Monroe was maybe involved in that and get into all of it. So without further ado, we're gonna go ahead and bring uh, him right aboard and get him answering some of these questions himself because we've been talking a lot behind the scenes and it's time to introduce you guys to the Museum of Tarot. So how you doing my friend? Hey, Carl, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So. You bet, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Uh, honestly, when we met I and we started chatting online, I was just impressed because I've been doing the Gateway program and the Gateway method on my own for a little while. And I noticed some things that were a little bit different or unusual about it. When I came across your TikTok, I, I couldn't help but reached out to you. And we instantly just like became good friends and have been talking almost every day about this and helping bounce ideas off of each other and stuff. But I wanted to ask you, I mean, you've got a whole museum now. How did you get started in all this? Is this something you were brought up in or how did you find your way into all of this stuff? Yeah, I'm a lifelong weirdo. I'm, a, I'm the kid that was always into uh, wanting to know how the pyramids were built and all the, uh, you know, washing in search of when I was a kid and all that. And uh, uh, yeah, I just kept up with it throughout my life and collected along the way, traveled, and gathered information. And uh, I have a technical background, so I had the means and I had the educational background to start doing uh, like serious research and serious uh, uh, 
like building devices and things that had been tested in the past and just kind of fell off the radar for society and see if they worked and uh, see if I can enhance my own experiences. So, yeah. So did you, uh, when you were like younger, were you into, well, you were saying you're like into the mysteries and different things like that. So did you actually get like exposed to meditation and that led you into the Monroe Institute programs and methods and things, or how did you get introduced to Gateway? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I started uh, the same way that a lot of people did with uh, like martial arts, got into, you know, uh, martial arts and Qigong and Tai Chi and all this. And you hear about Chi and you hear about, you know, energy. And when you're a a kid, a teenager, 10 years old, something, you don't know much about it. So you you listen with one ear and you gather that information. When I got uh, pretty good at it, I started to compete internationally. So I was a really good judo and weightlifter. Uh, back in the day. So I was an international level weightlifter and I made a serious run at the Olympics. And when you're in that sphere, you have to do something to alleviate stress, uh, do some kind of mental training. And I came across some Soviet research that talked about Soviet autogenic training, which was like their form of meditation Mm. where they can shut off their body. Uh, You do like two a days, you'll do a, a morning training session and an afternoon training session. And in between you'll have a rest period. And they were training their athletes to meditate during that time shut down their body, go away for a half hour and practice their skill in their mind. And they found that they uh, were much better at it. They got faster, quicker. Um, They had better performance on the platform and they uh, basically didn't have any jitters when they were actually there at the the venue. Uh, So it had all this, uh, all these ramifications that uh, we're seeing with things like gateway where it just kind of affects your entire life. Uh, But you can also pick up real skill. Like when you're over there, just mentally, just uh, without your body. So uh, I got into that really, really deeply. I got very good at it. And I practiced that from probably 16 to 22 and just kept up with it. And I noticed such, uh, such massive uh, feed, you know, feed forward into my life. It made everything better, my career, my job, all that. I found myself being able to meditate and get answers to you know, computer programming questions, things like that, that you know, I was getting to that alpha theta state where, you know, things come through and serendipities come through. And then when I found out about Monroe, it was probably 2008, 2009. And I just grabbed on it. It wasn't terribly popular at the time, but I started researching some of the, uh, the old, uh, uh, you know, MK ultra stuff and Stanford research and remote viewing stuff. And his name popped up again and again. So I got the gateway tapes. I got all that and started collecting those over time. And I've been practicing for what's it, about 13 years now with the, the gateway. So I've only been doing it, uh, for a little over a year now. So I feel yeah. like a, a novice, but I've had some yeah. pretty mind blowing experiences oh, yeah. with it. Yeah. Like uh, more than my whole basic religious upbringing, I would say <laughs> immediately started having crazy experiences that yeah. have really changed my life. I think it would be important because people who might watch this video or search it out might just be curious about what the gateway program is or, or the method. Um, so maybe you're the right person to ask this question. Give us a little bit of a history about maybe Bob Monroe sure. and what the Gateway Method is and how the program works. Because you're like an audio expert and yeah. and do a lot of this electronics building and device building mm-hmm. to enhance the experience. And, yeah. and that's kind of how Bob Monroe got started as well. Yeah. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. I actually had to train myself on audio and optics and such so that I could get better at the, you know, the gateway and actually understand what was going on. As I understand it, Monroe was, uh, he was an executive out on the East Coast, I believe in New York and Maryland. He had, uh, uh, he had a recording studio. I think he owned like radio stations at the time. 
And he noticed that he started to slip into out-of-body experiences just out of the blue. He wrote about it in his first book, and nobody really believed him. He kind of kept it on the, the down low, and he didn't really want to tell his business uh, friends and you know his, his circle in, uh, in business about it because they think he was nuts. But then he noticed that once he released the book, Nobody thought he was nuts and people were coming up asking him about experiences that they had. So he, I guess he decided to spin that off into the Monroe Institute and teach people and actually do the uh, the research. He had a research team and uh, I believe they still do doing all the audio engineering for it. What he noticed is that I believe the story was he was a, an airplane. He was pilot. He did, did uh, you know, hobby pilot stuff. And he noticed that there were stories about um, there were radar operators in World War Two that would zone out when they were watching radar screens. It was in training the brainwaves, but he also noticed that there was a uh, a warning against having your your engine synced up if you had a, a, a tool pro, a two prop plane, oh, that's and right. that that would do the same. It would it would it would entrance somebody, and pilots were falling asleep and trancing out while they were. I guess he, he yeah, wasn't a, like the rhythm of the yes. the rotors of the engines of the plane were creating yeah. like a binaural vibration yes, or something exactly. that was literally hypnotizing pilots to sleep, yeah. and they're having yeah. problems staying awake and. And yep, that was like exactly. a clue to him, right? Like that yes, there's yes. ways to affect consciousness with that. As as I understand it, I think he lost a friend that actually got in a crash because of that. So it was mm -hmm. it was kind of a big deal to him. Uh, he started doing research. He found out about you know binaural beats. Binaural beats were there before him. Uh, binaural beats is left and right ear. Or you have uh, basically you have like 400 hertz would go into one ear, 410 would go into the other. The difference between the two 10 hertz is what your brain would hear and would sound like a, a, a warble, like whoop, 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 whoop. Right. That's your, that's your binaural. That's what your brainwave in, is in training to. So if you keep it at like eight hertz, you're going to entrain to like alpha, alpha and theta, like right on the border between the two. And you're going to get into that nice relaxed mental state. He took it another step further with hemisync where uh, he engineers the sound in a different way it's not even binaural beats it's like one step above binaural beats where hemisync actually takes you can think of it like your brain is a pond you might have like a seven hertz wave going on in your brain but it's still your your two hemispheres your left and right hemisphere are are not synchronized uh what he did is he pulsed the uh the sound into the ears at, in a way that it's like you'd have two speakers on either side of a pond with very similar sounds going to kind of unify it all and, and create a very coherent brainwave between the two hemispheres, along with the entrainment to like, you know, alpha theta. Uh, so it creates a much, a much better effect than even binaural beats, but I mean, binaural beats work. They work great. Um, they've been used since I believe they found it in 1940s. There was a machine on the, I have a machine upstairs actually that was from the fifties. That's a, uh, of course you a, have it. Upstairs. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I collect the weirdest crap. Um, it's, it's like a, a metal box like this and it's got a strobe light, a big strobe light with a reflector and it, it pulses at your brainwave frequency and it, oh. it'll, it'll entrain you with your, with your eyes. But what they found out with the eyes is that, uh, this is actually a theory for dyslexia that the optic nerves actually Hmm. Uh, the there's a, a signal delay between the two optic nerves. It, there can be in some people and where it doesn't get to the optic uh, chiasm at the same time in the brain and your, your mind doesn't, it can't really, uh, you know, put the images together if it's got the desync between the two. And we're talking like thousands of a second, you know, millisecond. Hmm. And uh, that doesn't work for everybody, but they were using that to hypnotize people before surgery. And that was visual. Uh, there's some, I actually have one over here. It's a, a an eyewear, uh, just a, sunglasses that have LEDs in them and they'll pulse the eyes the same way and you'll get into the same states. But again, it's not as effective as something like hemisync hmm. uh, with the audio. 
But Hemisync, there's a little secret to Hemisync that nobody talks about. And it might be a reason why not everybody is getting deep enough to have those breakthrough experiences that Monroe ex experienced in his books. And we could talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, they may have, uh, like when the uh, government kind of moved in and took mm. interest in it, it may, or after Bob passed away, it seems like there was some editing and some adapting done to the program, right? Even before that, there was a, there's something else that nobody really seems to be accounting for. And uh, they did studies on this, mm -hmm. and I came across it even just recently. It depends on the type of headphones you're using. So some headphones, if you're using AirPods or using like uh, earbuds, they're not going to give an electromagnetic effect to the, the brain the same way that like a pair of cans would like you're wearing right now or like oh. electrostatic or like a magnetic, uh, I, I believe there's like a magnetic pulsed headphone right. as well. That's not electrostatic. And those actually have several inches of uh, electrical effect that get into the temporal lobes of the brain and can entrain just from the electromagnetics, not necessarily the sound. Bob Monroe was using these big uh, studio cans for everything back in the 70s. And mm. these were, you know, hundreds of dollars back then. And that was actually contributing to the effect of hemisync, where some people, if they're just wearing just a, a cheap pair of earbuds or something, might not be getting it simply because they're not using the right headphones. So that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. And, it, you know, when you think about it, like all of the ancient tra traditions, like in Buddhism and with meditation and trying to get into altered states of consciousness for meditative mm -hmm. states, even there, you have a lot of the chanting and the om and the and a lot of that is really meant to evoke the same kind of internal response because it's not only the the auditory aspect but it's like the uh oh what is it called the uh cymatics like almost mm -hmm. the the fluid dynamics of your spinal fluid and your brain fluid and the and the uh saline within your body you yep. get that harmonizing in a certain way and it you're, when we think about it, our perceptions from our vision to our hearing and everything rely a lot upon like liquid crystals of different types of minerals and things. And so when you get doing these like OM chanting and different things, it's not only just for the kind of hypnosis state or hypnotic state from the sound, like making your brain try to sync up, but it's also sending vibration waves through your body and through your brain. And so having little airpods in or little headphones or just putting it in a weak speaker across the room probably isn't going to have the same effect as if you go full bore like like you do and have actual headsets or goggles or do the the sound waves and everything mm -hmm. uh and that kind of creates like a sort of an atmosphere for your subconscious to let go of your normal day-to-day -day thinking right and that because we're talking a lot about technology and how to enhance it but at its core what you're trying to do is just bypass a lot of the problems that come with trying to get into a meditative state or altered state of consciousness. Cause like when you're just sitting there alone, there's a world of distractions going on outside you and a whole world of conversation and distractions inside your mind racing around. And somehow when you wash over that with a sound bath, that's designed to help you, let go of your thought processes and get into an, a, a mindfulness state. And then also closing your eyes or having the right visual state going on with like flashing lights or different things just yeah. kind of heightens the experience. It amplifies everything like turning up the, uh, the signal, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly your natural right. poten potential gets amplified when you start using these methods. And so Bob found this like kind of by accident, by realizing mm -hmm. how, 
like people were kind of getting into these relaxed, altered states of consciousness. And you even hear these stories in Nikola Tesla's life and mm -hmm. Thomas Edison and a lot of the great inventors that were trying to get into these states of mind yeah. in order to tap into some kind of cosmic consciousness and information yeah. or to go out of body and to see other realms or dimensions and things. And it's really fascinating. So he started tweaking this into the audio forms that he calls hemisync, like to help mm -hmm. with that. And then he added the uh, the uh, different visualizations and guided meditation along with that. That's a very carefully crafted protocol. So maybe you can describe that a little bit, like in the gateway method, the what people could expect. Because we have a comment here from from uh, Jeremy that says that they've read he's read all of Monroe's books and just getting started on the gateway experience. So if, if someone was gonna put in the cassette or put in their audio and put the headphones on, what would they expect on the, on day one or what advice could you give? Sure. Sure. Uh, day one, uh, at the early levels, it, there's a lot of individual variation depending on your individual, like neural makeup, your, your auditory makeup, whether you you're relaxed in your day-to-day -day life or if you're constantly stressed out, how far away are you from that state that Bob's at where he's having these transcendent experiences? If you start and you're coming off of a, a shift, you know, shift work, you're at a 12 hour shift, you know, working at the plant, you, you throw on a pair of headphones, you're not going to get very far into the gateway experience. You're never even going to get to the point of relaxation before that starts. But somebody doing desk work, somebody who's kind of low key and relaxed, or it's a weekend or something, they're going to get much farther into it. But the general idea is that you're going to you're going to lay down, you're going to put on the headphones, you're going to start listening to the ocean waves, you're going to listen to the induction. That's going to relax you for a little bit, and then you're going to get into the point where he starts talking to you and guiding you through your breathing exercises, your your vocal toning, your your dual tone uh, dual toning, um, the resonant toning. And then you're going to get into the point where that relaxes the body. And later on in Gateway, they'll add more and more steps to it where you're relaxing your eye muscles and your face muscles and your neck muscles, and it's relaxing your whole body. The point is to shut off your body, to let your to teach your body to go to sleep with your mind being awake. So that's the optimal state. And, and that was the optimal state with the Soviet autogenic training as well. Teach your body to go to sleep so that your mind is completely free. Your bandwidth limitations of your mind are aren't being used up on motor functions or on self-talk or on anything, memories, anything like that. So once you can relax all that, you're going to get to the state where they're going to start lulling you off from, you know, focus 10 to 12, 15, and on the way up, up the, the line. That's going to get you into the state where you're basically, uh, some people are going to get to the point where they feel like they want to disattach from their body, where they're going to have an astral projection. And you just let that happen and have it go. And we've talked about that recently. Most people are just going to get to a very deep state uh, of self-introspection, where if you ask yourself questions, things might pop up in your mind like, oh, like that that's an answer to a question I've been mulling over for a while. You know, something comes back to you. It's like it's reflecting off the substrate of the universe coming back into you or your subconscious is working on it. But you're still very much local within your own mind and within your own body. Uh, but as you keep going deeper and deeper and you get better and better at this, learn to turn the body off more and more and, and you know, force your consciousness out of your body, essentially, or you know, coax it out of your body, uh, you can go and travel and you can get non-local information. You can remote view. You can talk to things that we could get into later. Um, <laughs> yeah. you, can have, you can have interactions with things that I would have a hard time 
objectively proving that to people, but talking to you or talking to other people that have had these experiences uh, coming at it from a, a technical background. I've had experiences where I go, well, shit, I guess that's real. I guess I got to believe that now. And uh, yeah, yeah, it gets there. It gets pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> it definitely does. Yeah. When I like just to kind of share my experience, I, I was sent the gateway program because I started doing meditation and talking about it. I was exploring and talking about Advaita non-duality and the Kabbalion yeah. and and different things like that. Um, but mostly I was just trying to have like good meditative experiences. And when I started doing the gateway method, it provided me with like a framework in which to approach it, like to where it was giving me actual practical tools and a methodology in which to not only feel safe as I started to explore these things, but, but well-equipped and like in control of my situation. And I also kind of have done William Buhlman's studying. He does a lot of journey, like journeys out of the body and mm -hmm. things like that. I, I think it's called Adventures Out of the Body is the book he wrote. Yeah. But a lot of his stuff helped me as well. But one of the things that I noticed going into it was like, you know, there's, there's the level of meditation where, well, okay, there's where to even approach this, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Man. Okay. So when you wake up in the morning, there's like your day to day thinking, and it's usually in the language that you're taught by your parents or that you were raised in school. Uh, so I wake up, I start thinking in English and full sentences mm -hmm. and having a conversation within myself. So that's like the surface level day to day life state of mindset and consciousness. And then when I go to sleep on the other end of that and I'm full blown dreaming, it's like at night, you're just completely unconscious. Your body's completely asleep and you're in like a soup of a dream realm, you know, having random dreams. And sometimes you can work on lucid dreaming and things like that. Uh, in the middle there, there's also meditation where you're, you know, trying to not fall asleep at all. And you're completely awake, but you're sitting there doing like a practice of focusing your mind and controlling your state of mind or letting go so that you can be fully present. Yep. And try to get away from like that chatter going on in your head where you're thinking about all of the stuff in the day and having that conversation and replaying all of your memories like a loop in your mind that you can't let go and anxieties and all of that crap. And the gateway method showed me a gateway into a different approach to all of that where you begin the gateway process and as you proceed through the levels. Cause like you said, after you do your resonant tuning, you start counting from one up to various levels. And each of those levels has a different level of awareness that it takes you. And the audio helps enhance that the entire way that it guides you through it helps enhance that experience. So like at a level one, you would be just like at a really blissful meditative state and feeling really whole and clear and ready and optimistic and everything and prepared to go in like you have this bubble of protection around you and you're all suited up and you've gotten rid of all your worries and concerns but then when you get up to like level eight or ten and go into level 12 i have these experiences that william buhlman calls clicking out mm -hmm. and i want to talk about this for a minute because this yep. is really key if jeremy's listening or anybody experiencing this is questioning whether they're really having out-of-body experiences. This was the biggest thing that helped me, and you helped validate that as well, is you'll have this moment where you'll swear that you, like, blanked out. 
meaning you're you're counting, you're doing the visualizations, you're totally in this meditative state. And then suddenly there's like a gap where it's almost like you fell asleep, but then suddenly you're completely lucid and aware and you know what's going on. But then suddenly you are in like a different realm. You are on the beach or you're in the clouds or you're flying or you're in a presence of uh, another being or entity or you're somewhere you didn't expect. And it's very clear that you're not the one that really chose fully where that experience takes you, but you are conscious still. You're still lucid and you're aware and you're able to think within yourself like, oh, wow, where am I? And like a lucid dreamer, suddenly you realize there's this place in between because I'm aware that my body is still laying in the bed. I can still hear the binaural beats, the, the hemi-sync going on. Um, but I am in another place and I'm aware like a lucid dreamer and there's this spot in between. And the experiences that I have in that place at the different levels can be anything from feeling like I'm completely floating out of my body to flying like a lucid dream to doing like bilocated remote viewing experiences where I feel like I'm actually standing somewhere that I've been before, even though I know that my body's still laying in the bed. And other times I'll have full-blown what feels like a past life experience or vision. Uh, you'll encounter other entities that communicate with you or have downloads of information where you just have epiphanies and learn things you didn't realize uh, and all sorts of things. And then when you come out of it, it really can change your life. Uh, I've even met, you know, my father who's passed away and had conversations with him and uh, taught him things. And he's asked me questions and uh, it's helped me heal with some of my grief and loss. And I just wanted to get that out there because a lot of times people will come out of that. And for the longest time, I thought, oh, I just fell asleep, you know, and had a dream. But the amount of times that I've noticed that like, little gap and then something occurring that's phenomenal and I'm still aware is something that you've experienced as well. And maybe you can talk about that and your experiences with that. Yeah. Uh, just to touch on really quickly, but William Bowman actually has a separate training course that you can tack on top of the gateway experience for getting out of body. Uh, it's like a six tape series through HemiSync that is designed to teach you how to get out of body and have that click over. Um, I've had very similar experiences with definitely loved ones departed you know, folks doing, you know, it's, it's almost, it's been so long, uh, over the last, you know, decade or so that like, I almost forget about some of the early experiences, of, like doing work on myself and doing, you know, some, some serious internal things, unraveling some of the strings of like emotional binds and such that I had on myself. And yeah, you could absolutely get there in that state. Cause it's, it's almost like you're separate from it. It's you're, 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 you're standing over here and you're looking back at like the past or like your, your, your physical body. And you're like, Oh, that's, that doesn't really matter. This is who I really am. This is what I really am. And I need to be true to this. And the more I'm true to this, the better that, you know, physicality is going to be. Yeah. Uh, but man, you can go way deeper than just staying local. <laughs> um, yeah. Like you said about the bi-locality and uh, I, we, we just spoke about uh, what you saw with the, the gentleman in Japan and such uh, things like that. Um, I've had very similar experiences. I've been all over the cosmos Um I've taken other people that ha didn't have gateway experiences and had them have OBEs that were kind of profound. And um, it's all the same. We all describe the same thing. We all describe that, that you get to that point and then it's like, pop, you're gone and yeah. you're beyond yourself. And it's a, uh, it's, it's universal for all of us. 
Um, it's just the the thing that I would really like to help people and really like to get out through TikTok or you know working with you is like how to get people more people to that state and introduce them to that. Um, I think that's where the real healing and where the real empathy and where the real uh, self discovery and discovery of the universe begins because you get to access the hologram itself. You know, you have a direct plug into the the operating system of the universe, and you can do pretty much anything you can, you want with it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's so mind blowing, and and maybe again, just to go a little bit deeper, I'll, mm -hmm. I mentioned oh, yeah. meeting my father. I'll go ahead and share this one. This is really personal, but uh, and I haven't told you this one yet. No, no. Uh, I've shared a couple of pretty amazing ones that you've helped me understand mm -hmm. uh, that I wasn't so so sure about, but. The, the first one that really came home for me was, so I, I started the gateway process and I was just going to do a session that's called free flow 12, mm -hmm. where you basically go up to level 12 and have like a really cool experience. And I've kind of like adapted the gateway method and added a few tools of my own in there that like helped me out. Um, so like the first thing that you do is you go up and you use the energy conversion box, you know? And what that is, is you visualizing like um, basically like a magic box or bag that has the power of the universe to solve anything that you put inside of it. You know, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. And so in your mind, you get into that meditative state, you're visualizing and doing all that. And you, in your mind, you approach the box, put all of your problems in there, close the lid, and then you open it. And only the solutions to those problems come out and go into you and help prepare you to move forward. And what I do is like I got to like level eight or 10 and then I sort of visualize that I approach a doorway and I've designed this as like a waiting room or a guest room, like a, a visitor's room where I can meet other people or I can meet entities or anybody that has a message for me. And that's where when I go in that room in my mind, that's where crazy stuff happens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also, I want to be clear, I'm kind of deviating from the protocol when I do this a little bit by doing it in my own way. So, mm -hmm. so in this one experience, I'm, I'm feeling really good and really positive. And so I'm going with it and my intuition is sort of takes me over to the door. And what I do is I visualize looking up above the door and I look at the color and I sense if it feels welcoming or not, if there's like a good presence there or a bad one, you know? And so I go through the doorway and I literally click out. It's like I blank out and then I come back into awareness and it takes me a moment, but I realize where I am and I'm in my childhood home in a town called Sugar City in Idaho. And it's like an early version of the living room before we remodeled it. And I'm literally standing like by near the front door in the living room and I'm very lucid and I'm aware and I'm like, wow, I'm like back home and I know what's going on. And immediately I sense and almost smell like uh, my dad. It's like I can have like the synesthesia kind of experience yeah. where I can, it's like I smell sort of like his aftershave or something. And uh, it's this older version of the house, like when we first moved in it. And I realized, I'm like, oh, I wonder where my dad is. And I, I'm so new to this at this point that I'm nervous that if I start to look around too much and get too involved, I'm just going to pop back into the into my body in the in the bed. Um, so I'm like, where's where's my father? You know, he's he's not over here and, and things weren't quite like I remembered it. And I realized that 
it was an older version of our home before it was remodeled. So he would have been sitting where his chair used to be, which was behind me. And as soon as I thought that, it was like I was aware that he was there and I could mm -hmm. sense his presence in the room. And so I literally took like kind of conscious control of the situation and I moved the timeline forward. And it was literally like a hologram reshaping around me and the living room upgraded to after being remodeled. The fireplace changed from a wood burning stove to a gas one. The television set changed and suddenly my dad is sitting in the chair where he had moved it closer to the TV and, and he's up in front of me and I can see him there. Uh, and he turns and looks at me and this is what surprised me is he turns and looks at me and he says, how did you do this? <laughs> how did you do this? And I said, I don't know. Be quiet. Hold still. <laughs> I, like, I don't want to mess it up. And he's looking around and he says, I'm, he's like, I'm, I sense that like, he's lonely. Like he can't really watch TV. <laughs> he's just like in, existing in this memory or something. And he doesn't even know how he got there. And no joke. I like visualized in that moment, uh, forming like a dog door in the front door. And I imagined every dog that we had owned coming through the door that had, you know, that had died in our lifetime that he had owned together. I invited like all the dogs to come and play with my dad. And they all came running through the dog door and he was like, Oh, playing with the dogs. And I just like left him in that moment and then came back uh, into my body. And I was weeping my body. I was just had tears pouring off my face and, it was like a really beautiful experience. And I've had other ones, you know, where he's kind of appeared to me and stepped out from behind a tree and we've talked and he's asked me questions about like, how do you do this? You know, like, how do I? And so I wonder if it's like has some contact with that spirit realm and can help teach them as well. It's really a really fascinating thing. But yeah, I'm sure you've had tons of over your experience, <laughs> like of experiences like that as well. Yeah, they're then they're all kind of crazy, emotionally charged. Uh, yeah, it's it's what we talked about. So I, I if I go you know, tell everybody here, I introduced you to the the last wave. So if you look at like what's available online, you know, I'm not going to say you know the the dreaded T word of where you can download things, but uh, <laughs> uh, Gateway exists out there. You can you can get the new versions, you know, through the the T word. That doesn't include seven wave seven. Now, Wave 7 is, right. I got that right here. That's the Wave 7 Voyager. And that was the last one. That was one that, as I understand it, Bob Monroe didn't want released while he was still alive. He was kind of, he didn't know if people were ready for it. After he passed away, I think his wife took over the Institute and then it uh, got taken over by like, you know, the uh, remote viewing guys and such. And, you know, I'll talk about that later. But they released this this series later on and it has a different uh, person talking. I think it's Skip Atwater that's talking through it and leading people through it. But the whole point is to get deep enough to love. You talk about the focus levels, focus 10, 12, 15, to get you to focus. I believe it's 21 plus, which becomes the afterlife realms you know where you start interacting with things people that have passed and things that might you know get stuck somewhere and uh the uh belief system realms according to monroe and what he and myself as well kind of uh, uh experience is that when you go far enough in it's almost like people's combined belief systems make individual layers of the onion as you go up right. and those layers are like heaven and hell realm 
And that's like, it kind of conforms to whatever the predominant belief of the time is. And you can pass through them and go keep going higher. But people tend to get stuck where their belief tells them they're going to get stuck at some point. So it's almost like having a shared belief, a shared uh, in like, in magical lore, it'd be like an egregore or something like a belief says a tulpa or an egregore or something that kind of takes on a life of its own within the hologram because so many people believe in it. They're, they're forcing it and willing it to exist. When somebody passes, they might go up and they get stuck in heaven or hell realm, you know, whatever, and they don't get so farther. They don't get to explore the full, you know, the, the full pleroma. Right. And uh, I've experienced that. I've blown through it. I've gone back and helped and looked at people that were stuck there and tried to do what I could to, you know, coax them forward. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Your dad sounds like he's wherever he is, wherever he exists within that that hologram, he's still active and functioning and, and happy and happy to see you and wants to interact with you. And I actually fully believe that on an objective level. Like I don't I don't believe I think this is far more mysterious than anybody could actually figure out in one lifetime. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's an active thing. It's an objective thing that's actually interacting with you. And it's probably a portion of his consciousness that got uploaded into the into the vastness, into the 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 big singularity, the big pleroma, the uh, the source, the one. And uh, so it's beautiful that you opened up a new possibility to him, that the dogs came in and they you kept him company. And, and you, you made his life a little better. And he's genuinely wondering, how are you doing this? It's almost like, if we succeeded in this, if we succeeded in this grand, great work of, you know, Freemasonry or Rosicrucianism, and you, you jettison your body and you maintain your consciousness after you're dead, you know, the Egyptian mysteries, this is what they were all going for. What then? Do you get stuck there? You know, you go one level above and you go, huh, well, what now? Am I stuck in a living room? It's possible. If you don't quite know how to act and, and society hasn't set up or you haven't done the, the training methods to explore, you wouldn't know that you could just walk out the front door. You would just get stuck in, in familiarity. So the Egyptian mysteries were 21 years, three cycles of seven, where they taught an initiate. Uh, you went through your initiation cycles and you learned all the lore and all the star lore. That's There's a reason they taught you where the stars were. Uh, everything about uh, constellations, star lore, how to you know chart the heavens. There's a reason they taught us that. All of that talk about the wheels of time and the North yes. Star and the chariots of the exactly. gods. All that stuff exactly. is oh, a huge part of it. Yeah, it, It's when you got to that final level of initiation and you had your, you had your, written, you know, in Egypt, in, in the Egyptian mysteries was called the ritual of the twice board. You would go over, you'd have basically a death and rebirth experience. It's very similar, very, very similar to what we'd experience, like seeing the Rainbow Road or doing something through the Gateway Experience. <laughs> we just talked about that. We just yesterday. talked about it. Yeah. I just had a Rainbow Road experience doing Gateway. Yeah, yeah. Just let's like get, let's days, get to that. Yeah. Two days stuff. ago. <laughs> wild. It was wild. Uh, it's that that foreknowledge, that study, that left brain study or uh, left or right brain, whichever, the, the, the hardcore you're learning about something academically feeds into that spiritual experience where you you get to that point and you don't forget yourself you don't forget that oh i can navigate i can go to the heavens i can go wherever i wish i could even choose to come back and help i could come back as a bodhisattva and i could help people break that cycle of rebirth that cycle of samsara just like i did and we can move forward and we can all just keep moving up that ladder that onion of the heavens until we get to the point where wherever we want to be where we're creators ourselves and I, I think uh, maybe your dad just got, you know, one level above and you're giving him new information. And that's fantastic. And I love that. And that's I think that's what Bob wanted us all to do with these experiences, because he had he talks about the inspects, his intelligent species that are you know, in his books uh, that he interacted with. Uh, 
that uh, were everywhere from you know departed loved ones to aliens and uh i yeah, yeah let's let's talk about that for a second oh boy i'm yeah. gonna jump in. i know because i have a lot of people who watch this show yep. and then follow me because of the ufo phenomenon and extraterrestrials mm -hmm. And part of that is that I'm always the woo-woo guy who comes on other people's shows. And I try to get people to see that this could possibly have to tie into these astral dimensions or other planes of, of consciousness. And that these beings could be other dimensional, not just nuts and bolts spacecraft from another planet. And I'm trying to help people see that. And so I'm just going to ask it this way. What level of the gateway program, what level would you say people should expect to maybe encounter what would be considered extraterrestrials or what they would maybe assume as like an alien gray or something like that. Like what level have you encountered them? Which ones, which, which, which species? <laughs> yeah. Just, go, no, just no. go for it. Yeah. I don't okay, know. So, you tell me, bro. <laughs> so that is, that's what I, that's, that's the belief system. Again, it's not something you could objectively prove. I, I, I can't bring something back from up there and show everybody. That's right. what I believe. It's uh, John Keel, um, Jacques Vallée. We've all kind of thought about the same thing. Ultra terrestrials, crypto terrestrials, things that are interdimensional rather than they can evidence themselves as, as both, but you know, they're generally just ultra terrestrial shift in a dimension, something like that. I'll tell you about my gray experience. Okay. Let's just, let's just dive into that. All right. Uh, I didn't believe in any of that. I was, uh, I, for the longest time I liked UFO stuff, but I kind of wrote it off for about a decade um, because I thought it was government craft. I was very much into like, you know, aerospace and stuff. I always liked like looking at stealth bombers and like, you know, the schematics and all that. I was, I was, a, 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 I wanted to be the air force nerd kid. And I, you know, I just, I never signed up uh, anyway. So I, I knew about all these airplanes, went to air shows and all this stuff. And I loved aerospace lore of like black ops development. And I thought that everything was black ops and they were doing like, like military, like my labs, military abductions to convince people that they were grays or something like that to hide these craft, you know, and maybe they got something from the Germans of World War II. Uh, the Kenneth Arnold sightings over Washington look a hell of a lot like a Horton flying wing. So let's just you know put it that way. Roswell Army Air Base is where they brought all the German scientists afterwards. And like, let's put two and two together here, folks. But I, I didn't know. So I, I kept it. I, I could entertain two different, you know, points of view without like really deciding on one. So I started doing the gateways. I got pretty deep into it. It was only like two or three weeks into doing it, uh, the actual Hemisync gateways. And I went to level 12. To answer your question, level 12 is where I think they start. Uh, 10 and uh, 12 and below is like us still. It's still us. And 12 is like shifted. But they have to come down into 12 to interact with you. And I'm there with my balloon around myself that they teach us to do in gateway. And this thing pokes its head through the balloon, out of the blue, and I'd never seen anything like that. It just looks like it pushes its head up, you know, face to face with me. And I go, what the, what the hell is that? Because it looked just like physical reality. So, you know, when you go to Gateway, everything's kind of fuzzy, hazy, dreamlike. You know, it, it, can, it can tighten up. It can become more tangible. But generally, it's very hazy. This thing pushed its way in, and it looked like something got into the room and was right there in front of me. Right. And my body... I get to the point where I shut my body off so much when I'm astral that I can hear myself snore and I laugh at myself when I'm astral. And so like my body is, is separate. My body starts hyperventilating and having a stress response, a flight, a fight or flight response when this thing pushes its way in. And I had to pull myself out of the experience, 
pull myself back into my body to calm myself down. And then I sat there on my bed like, well, I guess that's real. Okay, that's it. And that was a little, what we would call a, a gray, a little, like, just a, this little thing. They tend to be non-communicative. They don't, they, they don't, those ones don't communicate with you. There's taller ones that come up behind them that are different. And then there's, I've experienced mantis ones that have a slightly different face, but those seem to be benevolent and they're at a higher level. So 15, 20 beyond that is where those guys start up. And again, like you have these interactions with things. It's gotten to the point where the last several years that I've been doing gateway, I get to the point where if I see them, it's like squirrels in the yard. It's like, oh, well, they're just there. Yeah. It, it's like, it's just, I write it off anymore. Cause it's, I never interact with them. They're just kind of doing their own thing and it's just become normal. And it's, that's a weird place to be, but it's the truth. Yeah. You realize that like, and I talk about this a lot that we exist in our physical day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. is based on a physical reality that relies mm -hmm. upon physics, you know? Yes. And so you're experiencing all that based on those things but in a way that's kind of like putting on a pair of goggles like a straight jacket and narrowing your field of view because oh, yeah. when you're in the physical reality and you're awake and walking around your eyes can only see the spectrum of the colors of the rainbow which is less than one way less than one percent of the entire mm -hmm. spectrum of electromagnetic waves and frequencies and everything that exists out there i mean even like a pigeon can see into the ultraviolet and animals can see off into the infrared below off the spectrum. And just because we only see this narrow bandwidth does not mean that that's all that there is. And when you start to explore altered states of consciousness with these protocol and you enter these non-physical realms, uh, then you start to open up into those possibilities where other things could exist at a different wavelength that isn't in the physical. And that is something that kind of blows my mind. And I do want to clarify this too, because something that I struggled with is with the self doubt of this program is that I thought that I was going to, when I went out of body, mm -hmm. that it would be like, just like I had a body right now, but I would be just standing in the room and it would mm -hmm. just look different, like all neon or something like it you see on TV or it would look like some kind of a mushroom mushroom trip realm, psilocybin realm or something. I don't know. Um, but really, it was more like being at the highest level of lucid dream. Mm -hmm. And and the way that you perceive reality is in a non-physical form is different, where you kind of perceive the entire space all at once or the entire scene all at once. Instead of being confined to just looking through your eyes and a physical body with those constraints, you're suddenly sensing the entire room, the entire area, and you're seeing it from first person point of view, like you're there in your in a body, like you can look down and look at your hands. And I've walked around and looked in the mirror and done all of that. But at the same time, simultaneously, it's like you're up and off to the side and oh, can yeah. see it from overhead. And you you called that like a what is that angel vision or something? Yeah. So so everybody's seen the meme that's come out like what a real biblical angel looks like versus what we think angels look like, and it's always these wings with a hundred eyes around them. Yeah. And I I believe that was an old allegory for what it's like when you have a true a true astral experience where you can see in three sixty. It's you can't describe it to somebody that's never experienced it. It's almost like like you just said you can see in all different planes all at once, and there doesn't seem to be any limitation to it. You can. Yeah, it's a. You can see yourself from outside simultaneously looking from inside out, and it's the damnedest thing. 
it's very paradoxical. You're oh, yeah. kind of in a superposition and yes. realize that outside of your body, you can perceive at the speed of thought and intention and awareness. Mm -hmm. And that's how you're moving and, and everything. And so having clear focused intention and being really present is uh, very powerful in that realm. Because yes. if you do encounter something uncomfortable, like uh, an alien gray or anything like that, the more lucid you are in those situations and aware of your own potential and ability, you can literally just level up out of it or go back yes. to your body and control, or you can push them completely away. And we don't even realize as in our day-to-day -day life, how powerful we are as interdimensional beings already. And, and once you start to get a grip on that, it really unlocks your, your uh, limitations into another level. And you realize yeah you know, these concepts of like remote viewing and intuition and connecting. If you want to, if you believe in God, you know, like if you want a true form of prayer, go meet him in the waiting room, there you, you know, go. <laughs> go up to level nice. 21 or whatever and yep. talk to him on the rainbow bridge. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. right. there's, there's no mediator. It's a, uh, it's, it's Gnosticism. You get to go off and have direct experience. Um, you get to the point, as you said, like maintaining I think the gateway experience and doing this kind of work is a lifestyle choice. It's, mm -hmm. it's, you have to treat it like a lifestyle choice. You can't just, I'm just going to, you can't just put on a pair of headphones and expect to get anything out of it. You have to kind of treat it like a, like a ritual that you go through, you know, get yourself ready for it, do it correctly, you know, do a little bit of self-care, make sure you journal it and re re record it so you can expand it. So you can maintain control. So you can maintain your lucidity during it. Um, Cause when you get to that point, you're not getting controlled by the experience. The grays aren't coming in, abducting you uh, when you're in an altered state, you're just like, get the hell out of here. They're like, they're, they're, they are, they're like squirrels. Like you just get, get out of here. They're, they're not important. And then you just move on. And when you go higher, that's when you start meeting the ones that are made out of light. And those guys don't seem to have a corporeal form. And that's when you get into angel territory and whatever. And it sounds crazy, but when you go high enough, it's like they don't feel a need to put themselves into a visible form that looks like a, you know, two arms, two legs, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's almost like a, a big field, a vast field of living uh, intelligence that you can interact with the higher you go, you know, get, touching God and the, the the gateway or the uh, the rainbow bridge you go high enough it's almost like it's almost like you go all the way into the big bang and there's nothing in there it's just everything and right it can interact with you on it feels like it's going to rip you apart um, yeah. you don't you don't feel um with a, with normal nerve endings you know when you're in gateway but when you start vibrating at a certain level and going up this rainbow bridge it feels like it's shaking you it, that's how i interpret mm -hmm. it at least and you go high enough and it feels like it's shaking you at such a level it's going to rip you apart if you can't maintain your consciousness in a, in a focus like, I'm still Brent. I'm still Brent and I want to go here. Right. If, you, if you can't maintain that, it, it kind of breaks you apart. And maybe you just go back to your body, you wake up and it's like a dream. And maybe you forget about, you know, the first you know, 10 minutes of it and you, you, you lose it. But if you can maintain that and you can go deep enough and you can maintain your intention and maintain your ego, your personality in that. You know, I am still Brent. I am still my intelligence, my consciousness, and I want to go there. You can go far. You can go really far. Yeah. And it, when you're initially doing this process, I noticed as well, even going into like level one and two, or even right. just approaching the energy conversion box, I, I would feel even laying in the bed, like there was a wave of energy yeah. going through my whole body. Yeah. And at first, when I started exploring it, I literally thought I would pull my headphones off 
and sit up in the bed because I was like, I live like a two hour drive east of area 51. Mm-hmm. And no joke. There was probably three months where I'd get started doing the, the gateway process and I just get going into it. And I would, I th- thought the bed was shaking. I thought that there was like a tunnel underneath the house. <laughs> like the government had dug a secret tunnel under my house. I've since read that a lot of people have had this experience, but it was like my, my soul would vibrating on the same wavelength yeah. as the hemisync and you could feel it vibrating like expanding yeah. Yeah. outside of your physical body and i thought that there was a train going on the sure. house that's yeah. how na- yeah. naive i was yeah. and then i realized that that would you know eventually just just you just kind of expand out from there when you relax and surrender to it and uh yeah like it you get to level tw- 10 and it just feels like you're in this golden cloud of like peacefulness and mm-hmm. To me, level 12 feels like you're flying through the Aurora Borealis or something. Yeah. I don't know if that feels accurate, but then you'll have like weird encounters there as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, recently, you sent me uh, that the what is it? The Voyager mm-hmm. tapes. And I tried the first one of those and we've been talking about the Rainbow Bridge. So maybe we should talk yeah. about that. You want, to, you want to get into that? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Let's go ahead. We're sharing some yeah. of these experiences. And then I want to talk about like all the stuff that you've collected about the Monroe okay. uh process and what we've uncovered or what you discovered about it um, and get into that. But you like, I had an experience and I posted this on my TikTok and even on my Instagram stories where I was doing the gateway method. And I, um, I got to a point where I clicked out and I didn't expect it, but I found myself standing like on a mountainside in the jungle. And I was looking around and I could see cable cars, like a ski lift above me uh, contained like in bubbles like they look like cubes or floating bubbles going up a cable car i even saw two cables <laughs> like an up and a down you know and i looked through the jungle and down below there was like a city and it was a steep mountain slope and there was trees and bushes everywhere and in front of me was this asian gentleman uh standing there with glasses on and a jacket and he was pointing at something in the bushes And this caught me, this whole scene caught me completely off guard because I was just like trying to try Voyager 1 or whatever. (laughs) And and this guy's standing there looking at me and he's pointing in the bushes and I look over and there's no joke. There's like a curled up in the fetal position. There's like a dead body laying in the mud, like under the bushes. And this guy is pointing at it and he's saying, Ta, Tashi. I have no idea what that means. Um, And... I feel like he's, this is like a spirit, like a dead person. And he's stuck there because he's hung up on his body. Like he died there or somebody murdered him or I don't know. And his spirit doesn't know what to do or it caught him unexpected or something. And so he's stuck there by his body, not knowing what to do. So somehow I find myself standing there in front of this guy and he's saying Tashi. And then uh, I kind of noped out. I was like, nope. (laughs) And next thing I know, I'm like back in the bed and I'm like, what the heck was that? You know, but then I had this sort of like existential guilt because I didn't help him. I just like ditched him there when he was asking for help, you know, and I felt really weird about it. So I reached out to you because you're like my mentor with all this now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what do I do? Do I share it with people to help somebody maybe find a missing person or whatever? You gave me really great advice. You sent me like another level to go and you're like, you can go back, go back and help him. And I was like, oh yeah, I could go back. 
I, I didn't even occur to me. So you sent me that new set of, you know, recordings that uh, you've kind of like fixed and upgraded. And that was like really awesome. And the HemiSync was amazing. It was really clear. I went back in and uh, um, I don't know if I'm going to tell the full version. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. Because <laughs> it's a little wild and it has a, yeah. a lot of really deep, like spiritual, impactful sure. stuff to me. Sure. Yeah. But basically I go back in and really quick, I go through the early protocol and I go up to like level 12 and then I go, where does Voyager 1 go up to? Is it level 15? uh or 21 I think it's 21 yeah 21 i think it's 21 i can look actually yeah so i, I um i get up to like level 12 mm -hmm. i'm feeling amazing and then and then suddenly when i get up to 21 uh i've completely transformed i look down at my own arms and i'm like wearing robes like a monk or something but they're white with like gold in it and i feel taller and different and suddenly, like we talked earlier about that superposition of having that like angel vision, I also simultaneously feel like I'm myself there and I'm walking behind the man in the robe. So it's like I'm this wise, almost like a wizard type character. And suddenly I realize he's like holding a staff and it feels very like ancestral, like Odin or like a Viking. All my ancestors came from over from Norway, mm -hmm. except for some on my mom's side or Native American. And uh, but I have a lot of these meditative experiences that are like Norse themed or Viking themed and stuff like that, that somehow resonate through my ancestry. So it's like standing behind Odin, but also being him. Um, and I'm approaching this gateway like a door. And as I go up to the door. I'm very lucid. I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm in this other realm uh, and that my body's still back in the bed, like vibrating and everything. And I'm trying to go back to see Tashi or whatever and go to the jungle to help this guy from the previous session. But I'm now with this like Odin type godlike figure, sp spiritual helper or whatever, but I'm also him. And we're walking up to this door. And as I get closer, the doorway is like it's made of crystal, like pure see-through crystal to work to the point that all you can see is the prisms within it, like the colors of the rainbow everywhere. And as I get close to the doorway, it's like really thick shards of crystal going up. And every single reflection in the crystal is literally like looking at a different part of my life from when I was a child to when I was doing karate and doing martial arts to all these different phases of my life. And every little reflection in the crystal was like the slideshow of everything that I've ever experienced, every single memory contained in this doorway. And then through the doorway and beyond it was literally like you would see in the Marvel movies, like in Thor Ragnarok is this rainbow bridge made of pure energy. And it's going on for like infinity. I don't have this sense of it going up or down or anything. It's just like this hallway made of complete rainbow and crystal. It's the most like beautiful and like heavenly type environment. And I also at the same time sense this part of me is like a little child. And I realize I'm like holding my own hand, like behind me to the left, a version of myself that's a little child as well. So we're all here together. Like this version of me as a child, who I am now, and this like higher self form of who I want to become 
in my own subconscious dreams, like Odin in the future is guiding me up like all this timeless state, you know, and in the meditation and the recording in the gateway process, you ask some questions. R remind me what the, do you remember the phrasing? It's like, ask yourself who they, who they are, or who you are or something like that. Yeah. I can't, I don't remember the phrasing. I haven't done that one in a while, but it, it is, it's like a, queuing yourself internally to, to find out like where you are, what, what questions you should ask. You're basically like trying to you know, shoot questions off yourself to get the answers back. Right. So these start coming through the recordings and I hear them. It's almost like a audio, like a Jarvis or something playing yeah. in the background. I hear the voice come through the experience and it's like, ask yourself like who you are, what you're there to do. Mm -hmm. And these other forms of myself sort of just kind of laughed at that. Like you already know, like mm -hmm. this is, yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. It, we're all us. It's all me. It's all you kind of that whole sense. Like this is just looking into your own self, you know? And so in that moment, I push through the doorway and I just go ahead because I was there for a reason to try and go back to the mountain and experience like help this guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as I go forward, I have this really cool experience. Maybe I'll say it for another time. That was pretty sure. wild, but it's like going into the future of unknown potential. Like the doorway contains everything I've already done, but going through the doorway is not specified. It's the unknown ahead of there, like the future. And sure enough, I find myself back on the mountain and there's the Asian gentleman again. And just like your advice, I talked to him and not knowing like what to do. I could see these little lights down in the city below and I just encouraged him. He was like, Hey, look at my body again. Like you're back, you know? And I was just like, I can't help you. I don't live in Japan. Go down to those lights in the city. There's people there like me. Like I knew that's what those lights represented. Go down there and someone like me will help you or can help you because they live there, you know? And there was like three or four lights down in the city in this whole big city down there. And he literally, it was like he turned and just floated down through the jungle and was gone. And the next thing I know is like back at the doorway at the Rainbow Bridge, had a, another moment there. And then I was back in my bed and immediately called you and was like, yep. dude, what the hell was that? Yeah, that yep. was amazing. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. uh, I wish we could corroborate it. I'm sure somewhere in Japan right now, they're probably finding a missing person. Somebody has been subconsciously guided to go walk up there, you know, find somebody and they're, they're setting him at rest and his family's getting the closure they need. And it's, that's a beautiful thing. And that's kind of the point of the voyagers to go on and, and help people that way. Hmm. The rainbow bridge is significant because you didn't, you didn't have any prompts to that. You didn't, you know, you, you, we watched Thor Ragnarok. Everybody did, you know, okay, great. But you didn't have any prompts if that's what it was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. If you look at the old, uh, the old uh, mythology, you know, uh, Bifrost, Bifrost actually translates to rainbow bridge. Um, it's the, uh, the, the conduit between Midgard, Middle Earth, three, 3D material nature and uh, uh, Asgard or the Aesir and the, the, the higher gods. They meant it literally. We've been seeing this for thousands of years. We all see the same things. The Egyptians talk about going through the thundering, uh, the thundering rainbow doors, and going into uh, the the halls of Amenta. It's it's the same tales over and over and over yeah. again. It's it's like the visuals we get that we're programmed to get um, when we go into the hologram, and you see the holographic nature of it all, and you can kind of shoot you can change the rainbow bridge to go where you want forward backward in time anywhere on the planet anywhere in the cosmos you're not limited you're you're a part of the one you're a part of the source uh 
God, whatever you want to call it, whatever right. your highest conception of that is, you're a part of that. And you can, you can manipulate to go wherever you wish within that. And that's, I think we've all experienced that. Um, the, the, the brotherhood, the initiates throughout time, shamans, whatever, we've, we've all seen the same kind of things. And Gateway is just the latest conduit to it. It's very interesting that you get like uh, the, like the Norse, uh, the genetic memory coming through. Like I get very similar. I get like, uh, uh, I have a very interesting ancestry myself that comes from a very similar place. I wonder if you went off and uh, we went to the mountains like we were talking about. And uh, there's a there's a uh, practice called Uttisitta, sitting out. But sitting out wasn't just sitting outside, sitting under a tree. Uttisitta was to go sit on burial mounds because they'd bury people within the mounds as a hard drive so you could maintain their consciousness and contact them. Oh. So they that that's an actual thing. Um, I wonder if doing something like a gateway in certain localities would actually open up different possibilities like that and allow you to contact things that, you know, a hero or somebody from the past that was very important to their people that might have been, they wanted to preserve that. Um, there's the navigation portion of when you get over into the hologram is the hard part because there's so many possibilities. You know, you just happen to be guided into one to help somebody in Japan. And again, we don't even know if that's forward or backward in time because time is all one big thing. It's, it's, it's all one solid. It's, uh, we're looking at a slice of it. You might've right. been helping somebody in the 1960s or the 2050s. And we simply don't know. Um, but I do believe there's some ob objective nature to that, that it was happening. And now it's just a, how to learn how to navigate it and how to, how to get familiar enough with it. So you can maintain your uh, composure when you, when it's time to go wherever you wish to go. So do you feel like there's particular places on earth that are considered like sacred or holy sites or oracles or I know uh, <laughs> mono, monolithic locations and things that are actually like portals, but they're meant to be navigated or used as guideposts sure. in this etheric realm or? Yeah, yeah. This, this was supposed to be a TikTok. I'll, I'll get to it at some point, but let's talk about it here. Um, what you, we talked about with uh, using the auditory frequencies and sitting around chanting or using drums or whatever to get yourself into a state. One thing that they always did when they were most effective is they'd use a kiva or a, a chambered vault or a dolmen or a, a, a ritual site. Like there's a hypogeum in Malta that is an acoustic chamber that had, you know, elongated head people that lived in there. Um, they all use resonant chambers. And those resonant chambers tend to be coated or made out of rock that has quartz. Right. So you have an electromagnetic frequency as well as the, the auditory frequency. Uh, Maze How, the hollow of uh, the uh, the Hill of Tara, Atara, you know, the Hill of the, the Refugees in Ireland. Uh, these are all made basically the same out of the same types of rock or rock that contains very similar substances. And that creates an electromagnetic effect, a piezoelectric effect. Okay. So that'll influence the consciousness. And I, I'll introduce uh, some of the Persinger stuff later on. We can get into, you know, some of the other research. But it's been found that if you you can correlate two people's consciousness across distance, if you do use the same techniques, two people sitting 6,000 kilometers apart can be synced up together. I accidentally yeah. did that with my dog and told you about it. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I yeah. did a gateway yeah. session and I literally was dreaming yeah. my dog's dream. And I realized, yes. oh, because because she was sleeping on the bed between like down between my feet. And I was like at the dog park in a dream, running around, smelling other dogs. And I realized it was like I had jumped into her mm -hmm. experience. It was so weird. <laughs> we, we talked briefly about all the correlations around the ancient world of like some people have like very similar things to like the Egyptians or the Chinese or whoever, you know, they, they all do the same kind of stuff. And it's oddly similar. 
what if these sites all had the same effect? They influenced your consciousness in very similar ways and became multifunction, uh, a university, a school to teach you how to raise your consciousness and help that and help you get to the, the gateway state before they had electronics and before they had headphones and as communication devices where two people can correlate on the same solstice, you know, half a world away or something like that at the same time, roughly, and they can communicate back and forth. And that's how you kept in touch with your colonies. Dude, I think you just helped me figure out some of the petroglyph mysteries I've been researching. Oh, there you go. Seriously. Thanks. Yep. Because Chaco Canyon was completely designed to the solstices mm -hmm. in order to connect the alignment and the construction of Chaco Canyon to every other village and outpost and be align it with astronomy. And so I wonder if it was not just so that they could travel and find food and water and stuff like that, but it was so that they had literally like telepathic connections to the other villages. And they were, the people in Chaco Canyon were like the resonant magicians or esoteric yep. shaman that were, controlling that harmony and everything in that place. And maybe that location has a natural sort of yes. uh, geological acoustics to it. And that mm -hmm. might be what's going on, like at Skinwalker Ranch, like some yep. sort of anomaly or Blind Frog Ranch or wherever. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. And no, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, they talked about it in uh, Old Legends uh, Druids. Uh, they had something called the Nematon. The Nematon was where all the Druids met up. Uh, supposedly, they all met up all at the same time and nobody could figure out how. Like, mm. did, they, did they go someplace and they met up or what? You have the stories of the theosophists and the, uh, the, the, the Tibetans that would all meet up and the, the Great White Brotherhood would all come together under a mountain and they'd all meet up once a year. Right. Well, you know, using these terms mountain, like the Egyptian pyramids were called mountains. Like, are we talking about a real mountain or are we talking about acoustic site where people right. came together and they communicated? Um, how did people get across the Pacific Ocean? Uh, how did people find Easter Island, if not by location, if not remote viewing? How, how, how did we do this? Yeah. Um, it's really not, it's not, yeah, there's probably not a way to do it without having some kind of intelligence that can only be gathered through, you know, expanded consciousness. And I do, I, um, I, I again, I have no way to prove it. I have no idea. Uh, I, I know that they all do basically the same thing and it makes a lot of sense that they'd be able to communicate back and forth. And there's tales about it all over the ancient world. It's just, we've haven't taken them seriously. Yeah, it yeah. seems like all of the evidence is there. And now that we, we live in a modernized world and society where we stay all connected with our devices and with modern yeah. communication, we've now even more blinded ourselves to our innate ability to do this without needing any help or any technology at all. Exactly. But 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 there is the technology and there's the, the recordings and the different things. And you've collected a lot of that in your museum. Uh, so do you have some of that? Like one of the things that blew my mind, if, if you've got any of that in front of you, like some of the original gateway stuff and yeah. how it compares, That's and cool. we can talk about what you've discovered a little bit. And while everybody's, uh, over in the chat and in the comments, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, um, there is, this channel did get monetized. Thank you very much. So the super chats are available and I will be going over there and getting to your questions. And so start throwing those out nice. and really quick while you're pulling all that stuff up, I want to share with everybody uh, your website so people can see where to find you. And we're going to be talking about some other really cool stuff that you have for sale uh, for people that are into this. So um, this is your website, um, the Nashville Museum of Tarot and Divination. This you is go. your uh, museum of tarot.com. Super cool. Um, you've got all kinds of things. You've, 
you know, you demystify this whole fear-based culture of divination and Ouija boards and all that stuff. You know, they were board games. They were like card games and fun things that people were doing, but they're also like ways to tap into your own subconscious and these, these different realities. So um, and you've also got a shop over here. This is going to blow people's minds. I want to talk about this. I know we've been already going over an hour, but I'm having so much fun. Great. Yeah, good. Great, yeah. But you've got these uh, Dysionin goggles uh, that actually you can wear and put on and see auras and etheric fields and maybe even shadow figures and some interesting anomalies. And you've been able to kind of uh, reconstruct these by piecing together the history from different sources and finding the exact recipe and design of how to do it. And as far as I've been able to find, you're the only one doing this that knows how to do it and the only place to get them. And I'm excited to try them out, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some on the way. And there is a really amazing serendipity story behind that as well that I just found out about within the last week. Um, I come to find out that these have been around for about 100 years. There was the late Dr. Kilner about 100 years ago invented this technology. He was a medical imaging specialist and he wanted to be able to see a if people diagnose people by, you know, if they had uh, something wrong with their, their energy fields, and he did. And uh, his technology kind of died out because nobody could get their hands on dicyanin even back in the 1950s. I come to find out that there is, I, I got an, uh, an old set of uh, journals from the 1950s talking about like metaphysical such. I opened one up. It's talking about Kilner. It's talking about dicyanin. It's talking about how they can't get it. And had, somebody is trying to reproduce the technology and that they're trying to come up with a solid state lens and his name he was my he was my great uncle and wow. i had no idea he lived on the other side of the state nobody in my family knew he was doing the same work that i was 70 years apart and then i came back and and, and did the work that I, I continued and finished the work that he had started doing so maybe this is meant to be <laughs> I think so. And <laughs> honestly, we talk about this all the time between yeah. the two of us, like the amount of synchronicities and oh, yeah. and coincidences in our life are really pretty amazing. Really I yeah. often feel like I'm sort of like part of a team of X-Men or something. Yeah. <laughs> like you're like the inventor that builds all this stuff. And I'm like trying to do uh, like all kinds of stuff, remote viewing and out of body travel and go to these ancient sites and my friends like Daz Smith and Paul Smith are remote viewers. They're like Professor X. And yeah, I've got friends that work in the government military and all that kind of stuff that are into this. It's really, uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, we've been over this. You're Colossus and I'm Beast, man. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm Colossus, you're Beast. We're all on X-Men now. <laughs> right. And really quick, I just want to show everybody, I've totally, you know, if you guys have been following me over on the uh Carl the Crusher channel. I've been doing a lot of this petroglyph exploring, trying to tie this all in because I feel like it's really important to look into the past like we've been talking about. Now that we're stuck in the timeline that we're in now with all of our technology, we lose touch with our own potential and our own uh, ability as human beings and multidimensional beings. And I think that ancient cultures knew this. And like we're talking about, they may have use this to communicate or to travel. And I'm trying to kind of piece that together and also see if it has anything to do with extraterrestrials or these altered states of consciousness to help us piece it together. So I'm having a lot of fun going and researching petroglyphs and stuff like that. If you're into it, I'm filming basically mini documentaries that are about 20, 30 minutes long, doing TikToks and all of that and having a lot of fun with it. So if you're into that, check it out, but make sure and go check out 
uh, the Museum of Tarot when you're done, if you want to get some of these goggles and if you want to um, go check out a lot of his research material of everything that we're talking about, um, that is the place to do it. So, yeah. So show us what you got there. You've yes. got a whole collection of really cool stuff. Yeah. Here's here's a really interesting thing, man. Your petroglyph work is fantastic. Thank you. What if what if those civilizations that did all this before, what if they didn't die out? What if they weren't wiped out? What if they succeeded? What if that's who's guiding us? Yeah, that's true. So let's see here. Okay, Gateway Experiences. Gateway Experience started in like the 70s. Uh, some of the earliest tapes, I got the Hemisync here. And that was before the, the Monroe Institute in 1983. And then I've got the old Monroe Discovery tapes. I've got the whole series. And they're just black tapes. When did they, when did the Monroe Institute, because Bob was kind of doing this on his own at first yeah. and recording, right? So you've got like some of the earliest recordings earliest available, yeah. right? The original. Yeah, the, the earliest besides reel to reel stuff. Uh, the tapes, I think these are the earliest tapes. Monroe Institute, I believe, was out before these. I believe it had been formed. Um, I don't know what it, I think this was just still done through this other label, this Mentronics label. I don't, I don't have all the history on it. I'd have to go to them. Uh, the gateway stuff started uh, after that. Um, these are from 1989, but I think like 1985 to 19, you know, 1990s, probably they were doing these tapes. But the interesting thing is about they, they give you these, the, the book, the booklet that you see these days is much, much different and has much, much more depth. The old one has much more depth into the, the preliminary exercises and such than you get in the new tapes. And that kind of leads into what we're seeing where the old tapes are longer. They're about 40 to 45 minutes each. The new tapes are about 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, the cassettes C or CDs rather, I'm sorry, are about 30 to 35 minutes. They have shortened the, uh, uh, they've shortened the uh, induction phase. They've shortened the relaxation phase that actually gets you to the point where your body turns off. And there might have been some alteration of the actual brainwave frequencies where it keeps you just a little bit higher than you should be for like a true theta state relaxation or theta, uh, Theta Delta state. And uh, I put the TikTok out where I put all three, you know, side by side, and you can see the vast differences in all the recordings. I'm not sure that the, the white tapes and the black tapes are really that different. Uh, there might have been some deg degradation with the white tapes that accounts for the, the few hertz off on the, uh, on the actual uh, bass frequencies. But there's certainly a difference between the CDs, the new CDs, and the old cassette tapes. And I think the old cassette tapes are more effective than the new CDs. And just to be clear, it's not because they're in cassette form. It's because no. the, the government moved in, took interest in the program and started using it for counterterrorism and all sorts of different. Yeah. Uh, they developed the Stargate program around it and they only ever talk about they talk about it like it was men who stare at goats and they yeah. they make a joke of it now yeah. and they play it off like, oh, those programs are ended because they weren't effective. But the truth yeah. is what they did yeah. was they had the top level people that were involved in this brought in. And one of those people was Bob, Bob Monroe. They not only took the Stanford Research Institute. So all these guys who are involved in the UFO programs now, mm -hmm. the people who work with Tom DeLong, like Hal Putoff and, yeah. and all those guys, they were the founders at the Stanford Research Institute that started doing remote viewing. And as soon as they met like Ingo Swan and Yuri Geller and a lot mm -hmm. of these guys who were effective at it, um, they 
immediately brought in and went to the Monroe Institute and started involving Bob Monroe. Maybe you could enlighten yeah. everybody about that because I didn't know that until you educated me on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny, actually. Somebody calling themselves uh, Hal Putoff commented on one of my videos. We should probably go ask, OK, are you really, are you really the Hal Putoff? And can you answer some questions? Um, unfortunately, we won't know. Um, Bob Monroe passed away, and then I believe his wife took over the Monroe Institute, and then it became the McMonagles, which are famous, Nancy and uh, Joe McMonagle, for uh, remote viewing. Joe McMonagle was supposedly one of the best Stargate remote viewers that they had in the program. And then the handler that they had, Skip Atwater, became, you know, he's, he's also, I believe he took over after that, or director or something like that. So it all became military Stargate remote viewing, guys. If you look at the CIA archive and you look at the old Stargate uh, documents they have there, and it talks about like uh, subject, whatever is doing a remote viewing and the handler is here and it's all blacked out or redacted. A lot of those are Bob Monroe actually doing the handling of that session. Mm -hmm. um, so he which, was handling. Which right away, he's got to clue you in that the Monroe, the, the gateway program is like, they saw that as mm -hmm. an, an addition or a supplement to enhance even Re oh. regular remote viewing sessions they were literally going out of body and going all over the place yeah yeah no it did it, it they didn't do it because they thought it was bullshit they they did it because it worked right and uh they, they did not waste money um you got put off and targ russell targ and uh, how put off at sanford research institute you got ingo swan you have uh there, there's a, a couple of different scientists they're like uh they're like the good old boys club of remote viewing that kind of all work together, including this uh, Dr. Persinger that I've spoken about on my TikTok videos. And they all worked to enhance and uh, augment this ability of remote viewing to be able to get gather information. But they also worked with, can you shut off somebody's uh, carotid artery and kill them? Can you give them a heart attack? Because uh, there was talk about the Russians, uh, Nina Kolagina and all these people they were studying in Russia, being able to do hits on people using you know very similar techniques. Uh, Yuri Geller was brought over. Yuri Geller was a plant. He was Mossad. Uh, yeah, 100% intel agent. But the guy that handled Yuri Geller, Andrea Puharish, Henry Puharish, uh, was the uh, one of the original MKUltra scientists. And he was studying Yuri Geller. But Puharish was in deep uh, with some of the guys from one of the organizations that I'm involved with, the United States Psychotronics Association. Some of the early members there, Dr. Bob Beck and such, and uh, we're working with Puharish and Puharish used to come in and just, you know, crash their, uh, crash their conferences and give a talk that wasn't even on the books. And then he'd leave and, uh, right. like Puharish was working with these guys to try to figure out ways to either block or augment remote viewing. And by all accounts, they were very successful in being able to do so. They don't talk about it, but if you actually know what to look for in the CAA archives, you'll still find mention of psychics. Uh, if you search for their exact names, search for Sean Harry Bantz. Sean Harry Bantz is the psychic they supposedly used to find Saddam Hussein, and he's right. in the CIA archives. Um, he still does work out of Texas. Uh, he's a, a very, very nice gentleman. Uh, he's really out to try to help more people, so please don't like, I don't want to put, cast any shade on, on these guys. Um, they have ability. They're trying to help in the way that they can, and they're being studied and used by these, these programs, even the Monroe Institute. I don't know them. I don't know uh, Skip Atwater. I don't know the McMonagles. Um, I don't know if they have nefarious purposes or not, or if this is something they genuinely thought they were making the programs better. The programs are different. Um, I don't want to paint with a, uh, you know, paint them black if they're if they're just trying to help people. Um, and I apologize if it ever sounded that way. Um, 
but I, I hope we're all just trying to help and, and rise people up. I hope the Stargate viewers went into it and, and saw what this could actually be, had a change of heart about, you know, the military mindset and actually want to help and want to move people forward, want to enhance and, and liberate people. Uh, there seems to be some indication that that might have even been happening at certain levels in the CIA and it was kind of quashed. And I hope that's what was going on. And I, I hope that's what Tom DeLong and Hal Putoff and all these people are trying to do with, you know, to the stars and all this. I hope it really is them trying to rise consciousness because they saw that there's more than just humans. So, yeah. And you have to wonder, even like Bob Bigelow, the previous owner of like oh, yeah. Skinwalker Ranch, now he's doing all afterlife studies and mm -hmm. his entire business and ventures are all revolving that's around awesome. this as well. You know, yeah, that's, uh, his wife, he was trying to, uh, after his wife passed, he got very big into it. Uh, I, I don't know what people kind of paint him a certain way. I always liked the guy. I always thought he was really trying to do what I would do if I had billions of dollars and, you know, try to figure some things out and move humanity forward. So I don't know. So we don't really know if when, after Bob Monroe passed away and the new organization, the government took interest in the CIA and everything started implementing these systems for their own purposes, if they sort of uh, put safety belts on it a little bit in order yeah. before before it became like a publicly offered thing where people could order the recordings and stuff sure uh they put a bunch of safety nets on it to dampen it down and mm -hmm. and make the experience not quite as potent so that they could keep the good stuff for themselves yeah. or if they you know were modifying it to trim the fat out and try to make it more streamlined and that's how it wound up a little bit shorter and edited yeah. different but you've noticed even in the audio forms and the hemi sync and everything has been adjusted and minute changes in that can make a huge difference and i know yeah. when you've given me some of the original type source recordings or better stuff it seems a lot more clear to me the yeah. experience goes a lot more smooth I, I wonder if that's why people aren't getting the same experience as they were back in the 70s and 80s with this um yeah, yeah it's it, it, are they only trying to let people get to 12 or 15 so they could relax and they could enhance their career? Or are they actually like, are they trying to lock down people from going to the places where you can talk to other, other beings, entities, et cetera? I don't know. I'm pulling this up just to show people that there think, you know, okay, we're worried about the, we've got like one comment here, the, the occult stuff kind of freaks out Sapphire elf um, when people have negative experiences. Yeah, it is. It's so strange. Cause you think like, okay, well, these are just a bunch of spoon benders and weirdos doing this stuff and men who stare at goats. But this is an actual CIA document about the gateway process. You can look up at the top, CIA.gov. Right there, it's an, on their official analysis and assessment of the gateway process. And not only does this talk about the gateway method and process of, of what everything we're talking about, but it goes into exactly how it works within the brain, how it works... Uh, Here's it's talking about gateway and hemisync right here. This is evidence and proof right on the CIA website of that they were using the frequency following response, yep. the role the role of resonance, uh, the brain stimulation. This is all official uh, government programs that they were doing heavily, and like you said, even to find. How do you think they found Saddam Hussein down in the hole where nobody knew where he was? They did this. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, this it is takes how. them in the right direction. And then they send in an operative and they find out if it's real. And, it, and it ver if it verifies, they send in, uh, you know, send in the SEAL team. Look at this this I mean, actually this right here, this is funny. This is from, if people want the actual physics behind how this works, the book is Wholeness and the Implicate Order by David Baum, B-O-H-M. And that's where this is all from, talking about how the the multidimensionality and hologram of the universe works and how you can interact with it.
Yeah, this whole time you've been referring it to it like when you enter the hologram and this and that. This is why. <laughs> it's because look at how it's portrayed that the your conscious reality and perceptions is a field outside your body. It's not something going on within a dark cave within the wet works of your brain, guys. Yep. It's completely different. It says the left hemisphere acts like the mind's computer software to reduce input. So that's where your blinders come in is the left hemisphere. The right hemisphere reduces three dimensions, holographic image. This is literally on the CIA.gov websites talking about the perceptions of reality, energy oscillation, and how that affects space-time and perceptions of space-time. And we're, there's, I've noticed other questions in there. Here you've got the, the literally the Taurus energy field here of the human etheric field and conscious awareness. And, and uh, it looks like a DNA helix. And you see this in the Fibonacci sequence. And I'm going to shut up and let you talk right no, now. No, that's, no, that's <laughs> uh, exactly. This is actually, it's as above, so below. This Taurus is actually yeah. supposedly the physical, uh, the shape of physical reality, the shape of the universe itself, where it's a, um, I actually have had experiences where I went so deep that I came out the other side and found out I was a cell within my own body. So like crazy, weird stuff. And who knows right. if it's something like that. But yeah, it seems to all loop within itself, and it seems to be uh, one big solid. Yeah, it, it's uh, there is. Oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. Please go. Ahead. Oh well, uh, yeah, we just jump back to it. I mean, the sure. whole point is that people want to think that this is woo woo, and that they try to debunk it, and they say, "Oh, it's just like people meditating and playing with Ouija boards." No, this is how they found Saddam Hussein. This is how they've done multiple counterterrorism activities. They've awarded military awards to people that use these methods in order to help get victories for the United States and for other countries. This, these programs are probably still active and ongoing. They're just in these covered up areas of the black projects that we don't know about because it literally means that, you know, everybody's worried about people spying on them through their cell phones, but you know, like Michael Persinger and these people, it, there's no more secrets. That's the whole mm -hmm. thing. Any, when, once you understand this, you can out-of-body travel, remote view, astral project anywhere in reality, not even just in our current timeline, but you can go view incidents in the past or the predict the near future timelines and all sorts of stuff. So it changes the whole game. It's almost like a psychic cold war going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that maybe that's a good time to bring up Dr. Persinger and what he did. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. Let's go yeah, for it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dr. Persinger, Michael Persinger was in my mind one of the most brilliant scientists of the last hundred years he was a laurentian university in sudbury ontario canada he was a neuroscientist uh, and he studied since the 1970s the effect of uh weather the geomagnetic uh, anomalies uh, etc on human consciousness what human consciousness is and human consciousness is a magnetic phenomenon that he found uh, how to enhance he worked with ingo swan how to enhance remote viewing he did all these things I've got a whole bunch of his research papers here, a whole stack of his research papers. Um, his biggest contribution, I think, before he passed away, he passed away a few years ago, he came up with something called, it was the excess correlation. Excess correlation is a fancy way of, of saying uh, quantum entanglement. He found a way to entangle two human brains across 6,000 miles or 6,000 kilometers. One in Canada, uh, there was one in, uh, I believe, Barcelona or Madrid, Madrid, and then I believe one in Germany. Uh, two different universities in conjunction with him, where he took somebody, he put, he took two participants, 
put these around their head. Well, you actually have one there. I've got one here. I can't keep it there, man. I <laughs> of course, got the whole you machine. have one there. He did, has you this build, machine. did you build that yourself? Yeah, I've, I've actually <laughs> modified the technology for myself for uh, gateways. That's what that's what I use. One. That's why I go so deep. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk about all that stuff. You could you could do gateway and you could make it run well, and then you could put nitro on it and you know supercharge it. Yeah. All right. Um, what he was doing is he was figuring out the correct brain patterns to use that could entangle two different things. And, and that's what that does. It pulses a magnetic field around the brain. Um, he found that there is certain types of activity that could basically, if somebody had a light flashing in their eyes, the photons would show up in the other person. If you were measured them with like a, uh, it's called Loretta. Loretta is like a, like an E, like a, a brain scan. You could see their, you could see their optic nerve. You know, you could see their the portion of their brain that it gets optical signals light up when you had something flash in the other person's eyes. You could get. Uh, he took two gamers. Uh, this was one of his research assistants. Uh, took two gamers. One gamer was playing at a high level who had been experienced with a certain video game. Another gamer showed up. They put the headsets on and they weren't in the same room. They were separated. And the second gamer came up to the same level as the first gamer. They were sharing information. Uh, he gained the same confidence as the other gamer learned. There is uh, there. I have like, I have like 10 talks by these people, the different people that were on his team at neuroscience conferences, talking about this, talking about how they're using this technology to make video games and test it out to a, uh, teach people faster to uh, create ways that you can actually share information across space to two different brains. And it is accepted neuroscience. It is, it is validated and tested neuroscience and has been for years and nobody knows about it. Um, Persinger got into some kind of crazy areas, uh, not crazy, but just really, really advanced areas uh, uh, where he's, yeah, he basically gave us a key to see and do anything we wanted within within this hologram. I don't know. I just, I just rambled a bit, but no, no, that's yeah, great. Yeah. Cause the truth is, is like, like the CE five protocol for some yeah. reason caught wildfire and everybody hears about it. It gets all over the place and everybody's going out doing CE five, trying to make contact with extraterrestrials and look at UFOs. Sure. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. But if you ask me, this is my full blown opinion is <laughs> and I don't know, but CE5 is like a really dumbed down kind of immature counterfeit version of the actual gateway method yes. and, and yeah. actual CRV remote viewing yes. uh, protocol. And when you follow the protocol and you use the actual design methods instead of just go out and like pray to the sky, mm -hmm. you have a completely different experience yes. uh, altogether backed by actual government funded research and a lot of scientific research to back it up that you can go validate yourself. Yeah. Where do you think Greer got it? He, he, he took it and, and rebranded it. And, and again, it's, it's, it's training wheels. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, but yeah. would you rather, would you rather interact with them or would you rather a light show up in the sky? Big whoop. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's old hat when you've done stuff like we've done, it's not really a big deal anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like it doesn't surprise you when you get to a certain point. Even in the physical reality, walking around, you experience things and you're kind of, you understand it at a different level. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. You really do. Here's a good question from Ryan. Uh, he just wants to know, because we're getting really deep right now, where is the best place to even get started or learn the gateway? Because we talk about it and talk about it. People might be way into it, want to go get started or check it out you know, their fears might be resolved a little bit, but where could somebody even go get it 
and which version do you recommend or how to how to do that i mean people could go pirate it if you're that kind of person yeah. you could go on sure. tour and do all that if you wanted to but if you you know where would you recommend people go get started so a couple of answers to that. It, it depends on your means. Uh, you could go to the Monroe Institute. You could do their five-day course, and I'm sure it's excellent. I, I haven't done it. It's several thousand dollars, and it takes you know five full days. I couldn't even take it. I'd have to take a week off work to be able to do it. Uh, if you wanted to do it on your own and just get your feet wet into it, uh, get the CDs. There's, there's nothing inherently wrong with the CDs for at least the first few waves. So wave one, wave two, they'll, they'll get you to 12 and 15. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's stuff you can do that makes it better. There's practices you could do before you even turn the headset on that'll make it better. And maybe that's what we should talk about now. I, the best answer is my TikTok when I actually finally make the TikToks to teach people how to do it. But there's a, there's a couple of steps that you want to take before you do the CDs to make you make sure you get into the relaxed state. Number one is you don't want to, you know, no caffeine. You want to relax for at least a half hour to 45 minutes beforehand. You want to turn the lights way down in your house. If you have any red lights, use red lights. You want melatonin to be high in your body. It, 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 it helps you relax. Uh, there's, there's like a, there's basically a feedback loop between your body making melatonin and melatonin also allowing you to get into like a theta state. So, and also know. setting the lights red in your room or putting like a red filter over your lights. You can even get like red pillowcases and put them over your yeah. lights or whatever if you can. Yeah. But uh, it that puts it down in the lower frequency of lighting in your room. And mm -hmm. so if you do happen to look, if your eyes roll open a little bit, it doesn't cause your pupils to adjust and dilate a whole mm -hmm. bunch and pull you out of it or anything. It's like an ideal environment. But yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, correct. No, no, it just it, it gets you into that state where you're relaxing. Like I said, you don't want to just come off of work, come in, sit down and throw on a headset and expect it to work. You're never going to get there. Right. You want to lay down. You want to relax for a little bit. You might want to listen to one of these other uh, the other hemi sinks like cosmic consciousness and such are actually they're, they're excellent for relaxation. What they they do it very, very well. Listen to this for 15, 20 minutes before you turn on the gateway experience, then shift over and use the gateway experience. And you'll already be down at that level of alpha theta right on the border where gateway will just take you and blow you right off into the, where you need to be to do the, uh, the breakthrough experience. Without actually, uh, you, you want to make sure you're laying down. You want to make sure your head's propped up, your chest is propped up so you can breathe. A lot of people have trouble if they, uh, uh, if they can't. A lot of people have trouble where their body gets to a point and it wakes them up. It'll 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 jolt. It'll jerk them, and it'll wake them up. Get yourself. Uh, hate to hate to use the term, but you use a sex wedge. Go get go get a, a like a liberator wedge or one of the uh, sleep wedges that you use. Put a, it therapy, under your, a therapy wedge. A therapy wedge. There you go. Right. Come on. Thank you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm not PG. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put good. that under your upper body, and it'll it'll allow you to respirate better. You'll be able to uh, relax, and uh, your body won't jolt you awake because it's it has a lack of oxygen. That's it's silly, but it it makes a lot of difference. Uh, Put the like that, that, that feeling like you're falling out of the back of a yes. chair that, yeah, you yeah. want to prevent that for sure. Yeah. 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 I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, messages from people that like they get stuck there. That happens to them or they fall asleep. Yeah. Make sure you're not tired. Uh, do it. Do it when you're rested. Tr treat it like it's not something you're doing before you go to bed. Treat it like it's an actual meditation you go to the gym for, you go to yoga for, you know, do it at 5 p.m. You know, do, do it at, at a normal time. Uh, draw the blinds, make sure it's dark. Again, you want that, you want that relaxation, that melatonin. You want, you want to be a very relaxed state for that. Uh, then 
use headphones, use actual can headphones. I use, uh, I use Bose. I use the, the old Bose, uh, noise canceling headphones. They give a really good electromagnetic uh, effect as well. Uh, don't use earbuds get a, a pair of studio cans. Like you've got, spend the extra 200 bucks and get a good pair of headphones and it'll make all the difference in the world. You want your ear to be completely closed off. Make sure the headphones are on correctly. And it's the, the hemisync is working on the right side of the brain. When he tells you that you, he want to hear his voice in your right ear, make sure it's in your right ear, things like that. Then just follow along. Uh, without, uh, then you could get to a second level. Then we could start talking about how you actually manipulate the recordings and add your own things to the recordings. But that'll get most people into a really great state and they'll have a great 12 to 15 experience. And you can, even if you don't have the actual gateway program, if you have the cans and do everything that you mm -hmm. just said, you can get on like Apple Music and other places and even yeah. YouTube now mm -hmm. has Hemisync and binaural stuff. Yeah. I was just going to show even there on you yeah. your phone, you can just get on Apple Music and get a whole bunch of tracks that are designed. And you'll know if you listen to your intuition, you can pick one and put it on a loop and and, and do a pretty decent job until you can yeah. get the funding to get the actual program and get going on it. But Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, people have asked me about the YouTube ones where the ones that are on like people post on Reddit or something. Like they work, they work just fine, but you need to get yourself in a good state before you try them. They don't work as well as the tapes and they don't work and the tapes don't even work as well as something you have manipulated yourself. But I would, I would need to, it, it would be another conversation to teach people how to do that. Maybe like we audacity. need to, maybe we may need to make our own competing program where maybe you do the audio and we write it together and we do like a perfected version of this and make it publicly available without anybody controlling it. I would agree with that. Let, let me show you something, actually. <laughs> Just a minute. Okay. All right. So the, the problem you run into, this is called a Zygon headset. Yeah. So this is a light and sound machine that does very similar to what uh, Hemisync does. It has LEDs that flash in the, in the eyepiece, and then it combines it with your, your ears. Um, that The guy that started that company got shut down by the FDA uh, because he didn't bribe them. Hundred percent. He gave an uh, interview after he gave an interview that the FDA came and said he was making medical devices. The guy's like, no, they're just you know headphones. They're not medical devices. They were not claiming any medical uses, and he was correct. And the FDA came back to him and said, listen, just pay the money and you'll be fine and get through it. And they shut him down hard. He he admits it on his interview. Um, so we might get into that kind of hmm. problem. Um, I don't think this is the interesting thing about Zygon. The headsets had the greatest interest from Air Force Intelligence and the CIA before they shut him down. He was really? selling more to Air Force Intelligence and the CIA than any other uh, any other customers. Doesn't surprise me. I mean, as soon as they, it's just like you see all these people who build an engine that can run on ambient energy or or water, you know, or yeah. whatever, and those people disappear, or get suicided, or yeah. Yeah. their technology just gets in thrown into some black vault somewhere, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, all this technology has been around for 60 years. We just are now getting to it. I mean, there's, it, it gets even deeper than that, but the, to get something out there that competes with, uh, I could show you how to build something that competes with Hemisync. It does the same thing. I could put up TikToks and show people how to actually do it themselves. It's not really that hard. Um, when I've added my own inductions, so I've taken, the I've taken the first phase of relaxation. I've expanded that. I've done the uh, the resonant tuning. I've expanded that. I put my own. Uh, Hemisync doesn't have subliminals. People ask about that sometimes. It doesn't have them. Uh, 
I've taken and put my own talk over. I've taken, um, you know, Bob Monroe or Skip Ackwater. I've taken their voices out and I put my own talk in because frankly, I, at some point I find them annoying. It's like, I'm in the middle of talking to an alien and I don't want Bob Monroe telling me, remember your purpose. Like, okay, yeah, I know what my purpose is. <laughs> so, so I've done that and I've expanded it out. My, uh, my recordings are about an hour and a half each, but I go deep. I go super deep. Uh, and I could, I could show how to do that, but that's another conversation, but that's, that's the next step. That's what you get to. Yeah, this is something that you're like amazing at that really blew my mind because uh, you're not only like a wealth of information and you collect all this data, but part of that is because you're seeking to restore these lost things uh, like the original uh, actual working gateway method at its purest form. And you're breaking it down, looking at the audio waves and seeing if there is subliminal stuff in there or not, or what, how they've manipulated it. And you've also made these goggles and stuff that allow you to uh, see into the etheric realm. We showed them uh, on screen for a little bit. Um, how do you say it? Is it dicyanin? Yeah. Dicyanin. I mean, when you put it that way, it's almost like somebody had some kind of plan that they wanted to help humanity out and give them tools to do so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you would think so. It's almost like coincidences lining almost, up everywhere. Almost. And then we meet each other and then we get to share it with other people. I mean, we've, we've talked about the dicyanin goggles. Uh, dicyanin is, they're great. They allow you to see energy around people. They, they do. They work great. And here, I can show you what they kind of look like. You know, you got your nice... A nice purpley look through there. Um, there's there's pictures on the website if you want to see what you actually look like, what an energy field looks like around a person, 100%. But they're just, they're great, but they're a parlor trick. You know, what, what do you do with them past that? What it does is it changes a person's mind. It changes a person to understand that there's other things hidden, other possibilities of the human mind, other possibilities that, you know, you can open yourself up to and yeah. broaden your broaden your horizons into the world. Um, some of the other uh, pictures on there are actually clear of uh, energy fields, but I have Which, one between my fingers where it's like- Tell can, me where to go. Which, where should I go oh, yeah. to show the clear ones? Yeah, go go okay. back to uh, Dyson and Aura Goggles. Okay. Go. And then go to the, uh, the new arrival one, the research That's kit. A, okay. And then scroll down in uh, those pictures there. So if you get the pictures of my arm that I just took a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, keep keep going. Uh, I believe medium is actually a little bit better. This is meant to acclimate people's eyes to uh, to the dicyanin. And what there? You oh, go. right there. There you go. And what it's meant to do is is uh, shift your vision into ultraviolet. Basically, uh, acclimates your eyes to it. When when you take the goggles off after you wear these for 15, 20 minutes, you can see this without the goggles on. You can see things around. After a certain amount of time, you get to the point where you see things in your normal day to day life because uh, it's like you're. It's like your body picks up that ability just like you train at a gym and it's a uh, it's quite interesting after using it for a couple of weeks you, you'll see some really interesting effects well now when i saw this on your on your TikTok and realized that this was an actual thing i i freaked out and that's when i followed you and got all interested and then i realized you did the gateway method and stuff yeah. too and i was like oh my gosh i gotta meet this guy <laughs> but because when i was a kid i actually freaked out for a while because i could see this like when I was a kid, I could see like a field of energy around people and around my own hands. And there was a phase where when I was a, a kid going to grade school where I was worried that if I was thinking something bad about another person in class, that energy would come off of my body or out of the ends of my hands and actually like go into someone else or whatever. Sure. And um, 
but you can put these goggles on and just like we saw in the CIA files about the gateway program, how your consciousness is like a field of energy and awareness that extends beyond your physical body, like a field or a torus of energy. There's levels of that, that for some reason, these goggles seem to allow you to see or help you open up your perception to see uh, that's that normally you wouldn't be able to notice. And you can kind of see that in these images through the goggles. Is it more potent when you put them on yourself than through a camera? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, the, the camera is always hard to adjust and it, it doesn't see like your eyes see. Your eyes can see like subtlety that the camera cannot pick up on. Uh, when you wear it, you wear them on a, a very bright day, you go out to the park, you can sit and watch people and see who's got some people don't have energy around them. And I've talked about that on TikTok. Other people are lit up like a like a Christmas tree and you can see the differences. Really? Um, it's kind of a fascinating thing. And I, I don't even know to even speculate on why, but it's it's the truth. Can you see things like uh, that would be considered like if you took the goggles off, you wouldn't have any idea. Maybe yeah. someone would consider it like a ghost or a shadow figure. Yeah. Have you ever been able to see any of that or attached to anybody or anything? So, yeah, the, these would be, you know, popular with ghost hunters and stuff. The, the thing is, if you're buying these to go ghost hunting or something like that, you can't wear them at night. They don't work. You need light to get in to sensitize your eyes and, and do it. But once your body has attained that ability, uh, like I said, like the rods and cones of your eyes will actually like get trained on this like you've been going to a gym after a couple of weeks, uh, you'll be able to wake up and you'll see, you'll see things walk through the room, come through the room. You'll see things in the sky that are kind of like I do. I see like hazy stuff that comes through the sky and I'm like, is that a, is that a cloaked something or whatever? Like what's going on? This is a phenomenon that's been around for a hundred years. Uh, Dr. Kilner made these. He was a doctor, a medical imaging specialist, what we call a radiologist today. He came up with this so he could diagnose people. He noticed that people's auras were screwed up if they had certain illnesses in certain areas of their body. And his colleagues verified this. This was very popular back uh, 1920s, 30s, and 40s. It was people were talking about this in Great Britain all over the place. The spiritualist movement picked up on it. The uh, theosophists picked up on it. And then it kind of got a bad rap. And medic, uh, the, the medical industry kind of you know, swept it under the rug. You couldn't really get in anymore. And people stopped using it. They had x-rays and all this. But originally, it was medical technology, and he was doing diagnosis with these, and he did have it validated. He had tons of research on, like, what your aura looks like when you've got, like, a cancer in your pancreas or something like that. And some people had really screwed up auras when they were, like, neurotic or something like that. Right. Um, you're going to see the same thing today. I've noticed that there's even a greater propensity for people to not have, you know, to have screwed up auras and such today. Uh, but this started off as real legitimate technology. It is real legitimate technology that is still useful in an objective sense. It's not just, you know, it's not a novelty. Uh, what, what, what do you see with it? Sorry. Um, you can look at somebody and just like Kilner saw where their aura was screwed up, he noticed that there were dark spots around certain parts of their body, like like a dark cloud around if they had a cancer they'd have a dark cloud around a certain area hmm. you can see things up and around the back of people like up and around the back that look like there's something attached to them i don't know what that is there's it's like a black smoke that's up around the back of them 
like you could speculate either that's their negativity being almost like a vacuum or creating a counter space in their electromagnetic field, or it could be some sort of a hitchhiker phenomenon. Some kind of a hitchhiker. I, I don't know. And I, I, but it's, it's objective. Right. You can see it and you can reproduce it. And I put these on other people that have seen similar things and it's like, okay, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's, it's something that we need to study more. I think so too. That's the thing is that people, you know, they're afraid to explore their own consciousness there. A lot of people don't even look at meditation or anything, but you know, we, we have entire rooms in our house that are devoted with entire uh, devices to go in and lay down and to make ourselves comfortable to go to sleep. And we dream all the time every night and go into these other realms of our own subconscious mind and everybody wakes up in the morning and if they feel good they're like oh that was nice and they don't ever question it they don't ever question that that's an entire like third of your human existence to go into these other dimensions and realms when you fall asleep at night Mm -hmm. it's just like a given because you experience and it feels nice when you're tired but when you start to explore it like an adventurer and you want to solve your own problems this is what real mental health work is all about. Oh, yeah. As a social worker, I was a licensed social worker. And the one thing that frustrated me more than anything was you'd get to a point in counseling where sure you've diagnosed somebody, sure you could give them medications, you could recommend like them reading a book or whatever. But ultimately they look at you and they're like, so now what, what do I do? I've been diagnosed with this problem or I've got these troubles in my mind. I've got post-traumatic stress disorder. How do I solve it? And I feel like now what I've experienced through the gateway process and everything uh, and the method and, and what I've learned talking to friends like you, I've been given real actual tools to go within my own self, within my own reality and my own perceptions of awareness and do work. I can put my problems in an energy conversion box. I can tune myself up with resonant tuning. I can uh, raise my energy field and energy bubble and increase my my etheric field and clear my mind and put my thoughts outside myself and sort them out and look at them. And I can go places and solve my problems in the past or future. And I've never had access to my own self in such a way that has allowed me to literally survive my day-to-day life and to get through some of the things I've been through. It's saved my life in some instances. It really has. Some of my darkest moments, this kind of stuff has let me go within myself and face that darkness face to face and talk to it and to deal with it and to sort it out and to let it heal. And I never was able to do that with the tools and the things that were given to me in the outside world. But if you want those like cool trinkets to open your mind and different things, you should, you can get the goggles and it'll open your mind. You can get the devices or read the books and then, but I, I highly recommend that you actually try it and treat it like a part of your life, just like you would work on your diet or go do yoga and start dealing with your mental health and your own sense of self and your perceptions of the world. Yeah. I love that you put it that way. A hundred percent. That's uh I mean, isn't that what they were trying to do with LSD and DMT is, you know, get people yeah. to open up into new, new expanded states to work on themselves. And this is a non-chemical way to get to the same states. It's it's amazing that it's kind of been swept under the rug and overlooked, but uh, I couldn't agree more. I've done similar work on myself. And I, yeah, I love the way you just put that. So yeah, this could, it's, it's what I said in my TikTok video that I think a lot of people just feel disconnected. They feel alone. They feel like there's nothing out there. There's nothing more loving and more, connecting than going off and realizing you're part of this big vast ecosystem it's almost like when somebody's a child and they go through that stage of child 
developmental psychology where the child looks at a mirror and it thinks it's a different child and then it yeah. looks at the mirror the next day and it's a, it's it realizes it's himself you go to a certain state and you realize you are a part of everything and everything is one and as new agey and hand wavy as that sounds that connects you up in a way you find yourself kinder and more loving to people more you know just more willing to help more willing to uh let things go and the amount of therapy that just that just that understanding does for a person is a uh, that's that's why i can't really believe that the people at the monroe institute have nefarious purposes in heart <laughs> I, I i can't imagine somebody being able to do this and being a bastard and uh, yeah fingers crossed yeah yeah i totally agree with you yeah We've been going about two hours and honestly, we could go for another two. And so like we have, you've been doing this for so long. We had awesome questions about like, you know, going to these holy sites. Can you actually yes. use them as portals? And I want to save a lot of this for another follow-up okay. interview because we're going to do this a lot and you're going to start your own YouTube, YouTube channel. Go. I'm going to help I'm you. I'm trying to <laughs> Any lasties for uh, any really, really great questions? That, uh, oh yeah. So any other perfect? questions here over in the comments? Let's see. Um, We've got comments about near-death experiences. Can this help people with near-death experiences uh, sort that out? Yeah, certainly. Because you'll see that it's not so uh, it's not so out of the ordinary. Yeah, definitely. Here's one. Uh, if filtering out UV could help see auras, couldn't just using like uh, the night naturally when UV is low or like welding goggles or anything like that? What's different about the... Okay, well, we should mention this. Why are the goggles in a lot of places considered illegal? Oh, you geez. It, it's I, my belief is that it has actually dicyanin was always hard to get. There has been a push the last 20 years to not allow you to get it at all anymore. Um, the, the matriculations I needed to go through to be able to get some was a, a, ma a massive hurdle. Uh, it's the spectrum. The spectrum of these is very, very specific. If I showed you a spectrogram of what it does, there's nothing quite like it. Uh, I actually brought some stuff, uh, purple gel filters from like theatrical lighting. These will not give the same effects. You might get something if somebody is actually naturally good at this. If they're like you that came out of your childhood, you had it and you, you showed them, you might get something by, by filtering some of that light. Dicyanin works better than all of them. And uh, yeah, we could, we could get into that some other time, but yeah. I think we should. And we've both had like some pretty incredible experiences that might help people understand their own experiences. Uh, you know, I've had ones that you would consider like a past life where I was another person. Mm -hmm. I've, you know, gone into pyramids. I've uh, explored all kinds of stuff and had different encounters with entities. I didn't even tell the full story of going to the Rainbow Bridge or having a bunch. And you've, you know, traveled to locations and done gateway in holy sites and then done it out of body as well. Some mind blowing experiences that right. we haven't even scratched the surface of. Very, well, let me ask you one last question then. Yeah. After seeing that, after going through all that, are you afraid of death? No. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's almost it, like <laughs> you're almost excited in a, yep. in a weird <laughs> Yeah. In a and weird and way. after that, how how are you going to live your life? You're going to be a much better person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of the fears and concerns and just general uh, underlying thing, because you realize suddenly that what you consider like your normal day-to-day -day life is just like a fraction of it. That whole expanded universe you suddenly realize is is like an eternal one it's not going anywhere it's all here <laughs> you know it's all accessible and it always will be it's not like you're going anywhere That's i don't know true. how to explain it but once exactly. you've experienced it you know i think it really is and what are the it is the only other alternative is that you just ignore all this stuff 
go back to watching TV in your day-to-day life and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you are facing death or dealing with trauma or the fear of death, we're all going to die someday and shed off the physical body. You know, that may be like an illusion or something like that, that as you experience it. But to me, I started down this road when my dad did pass away. And when he uh, honestly, before that, because he died of dementia and was struggling with that. So his Mm -hmm. memories and his uh, connection with reality and sense of the present moment was completely scrambled on him and trying to understand what that might have been like for him trapped in his body for like two years and wondering where is he really? Cause it was like, he's there, but his, his avatar is there, but he's somewhere else and doesn't quite have control of his consciousness right now. And that whole experience really opened my eyes to trying to understand this. And I thought, okay, so you can either just trust fall off the edge of your life into the next life into death, not having any idea, or I can start trying to understand this now and see how close I can experience this. And once I went down that rabbit hole, it completely changed my life and in a lot of ways healed me. Yeah. You know, like I talked about, we've, I've not only been able to have conversations with my father again, but other versions of myself in a way and my own subconscious and face my own fears and really go places that I never thought I could. And I've yeah. met people like you and made friends trying to answer my questions and explain my experiences that has just really uh, opened my life in a totally new direction. A lot of that can feel like a a lot of shadow work and a long dark night of the soul where you're facing a lot of scary things in the beginning when your life is kind of messy. But when you start to focus your compass and your deeper wisdom in that right direction and going down that path, it's not just tumbling down a rabbit hole. It's like finally getting gills to breathe in this life you've been drowning in and wings to fly and soar and the ability to expand your life into dimensions that you didn't know were even there that were existing in the blind spot. There you go. Beautifully put. Beautifully put. Yep. Well, man, where can everybody find you? We showed you the Museum of Tarot, but you're on TikTok and Instagram. TikTok, Instagram. I'm I'm trying to build up the social media, but right now it's TikTok and Instagram and uh, museumoftarot.com. It's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on the show and everybody with all your comments and everything was so cool. I've been reading them off to the side. Uh, You guys make sure and subscribe, go check out uh, the museum of tarot everywhere on all the apps and all the platforms, a wealth of information. We've barely, we've been talking for two hours and barely scratched the surface, but you got to go check it out. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. And we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks everyone. Thanks Carl. You bet.